Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, it's Kevin here. First off, I want to say thank you for listening to the Just Press Play podcast. We have a fun episode in, to- in store for you with Uncle Tony joining us and Pops. We talk a little basketball. We talk a little football. We talk a little subtitles on movies we got it all but i just wanted to uh before you get into the pod we recorded this on monday night so there is a lot of luca talk and then we kind of uh discussed the future of the nba playoffs obviously since then there's been a lot of things to go on in our world there was the shooting of james blake on sunday night and then things have escalated since then pretty much every single day there was a shooting during the protest and now NBA players are boycotting at least a game, maybe two. I'm recording this on Thursday morning. They boycotted Wednesday night's game. And it looks like they could be boycotting Thursdays. And there's a vote on what to do with the season. So some of the things you will hear will be a little dated. And if you were, I just wanted to record this and let you know that no, we just didn't not talk about it or just ignore it. It, it happened after we recorded but for anybody out there who's a listener of the JPP, I wanted to let you. I wanted to get this out for you. Plus, it's Uncle Tony. We gotta let you hear Uncle Tony when he's when he's available. Um, so we got a good episode in store for you. Real quick, just to share some thoughts, or at least my thoughts, and on on some of the things going on with the NBA. Um, I don't know what they hope to accomplish. I don't know what they will accomplish. But I am extremely impressed with them. This is. The players willingly losing money, uh, regardless of if it's one game, two games, four days, one week, whatever it is. I think this is big on the players. You know, they're going to get in the ear now of the owners, of the execs at Turner and ESPN, and all these people who are kind of the swingers when it comes to the people that can and will possibly influence change. So they're trying to make their voices heard. They're trying to make. Use this platform. I've seen a lot of players use the platform in press conferences to to talk about things in their life and what they've gone through and what these mean to them and what it's like seeing this a, a, a man shot in broad daylight that has the same color skin as them. Um, I don't know where this all goes. I don't know what happens after this. By the time you're hearing this, maybe we do know. I don't know. Um, I just thought it was extremely in, impressive and inspiring to see the players at least you know stand up for what you believe in if, if what you believe in is the playing is not right then don't play you know if that's what you believe so i thought it was really cool and i i hope as a sports fan i hope to get sports back but really there's bigger things in sports and this seems like it's bigger so we'll see what happens the mlb postponed a few games it the the detroit Lions didn't practice in post in uh, uh protest so it's interesting. You know, there's a lot going on. And like I said, there's bigger things in sports. And I'm impressed with the NBA players and what they're doing. And all the players and what they're doing. And um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. I uh, 
If nothing else, if you don't care about the NBA, then skip on right past it to about the 25-30 minute mark. We get in some NFL talk, and then Dad has a. We we figure out who does and does not like subtitles, and there might be a strong opinion one way or the other. So I hope you enjoyed, and uh, talk to you in just a second. Truth, can you hit the beat? Today, but Pops is here, and we are delighted to welcome on back Uncle Tony. How's it going? What is up, gentlemen? It's all good. It has been, it's good. It's been a little bit since we've had you on. We got, I don't know how much uh, NBA you have been watching or keep up with, Tony. I know that's not always your, your that's not typically your go-to sport. Few, Tony, a few highlights, and I, I, I follow I follow my bets, so uh, yeah. He's a sports guy, well, here, so you know. Well, I mean, as many know, there's there, me and Pops may have a rooting interest when it comes to the Mavericks, and uh, Luca had a pretty big day on um, Sunday. But like before we get to that, Tony mentioned he, he follows his bets. I don't know if you know this, Tony. I bet you do. Do you know where you ought to be betting the best place to bet right now while we're I, all staying at home? Oh, gosh. What? Oh, I don't know, Kevin. There's just a special place. Well, there's a lot of places you can go. There's a lot of places out there. But the best place, hands down, is our our friends over at betonline.ag. Right now, the sports world, we're finally back. It, right? It's kind of thriving. There's there, The NBA looks like it's March Madness. There's games on all day long. All the time. All the football. All the I time. Mean, Jeez, I'm over here trying to figure out like, okay, I can catch the second half of this game. I, I, my whole schedule's worked around trying to catch like the fourth quarter of games, and then we got college footballs close. NFL, we got to talk about the NFL sneaking up on me. It's like 19 days away or something. Close. It's right around the corner. Yep. Uh, boxing's going on, UFC's going on. There's stuff all over the place, and the premier place to do it to, to bet on any of this stuff is bet online they have the best odds and lines for all the upcoming games and matches and if you need more bet online has simulated nfl nba and ufc happening live every day for all the devout gamblers to check out plus bet online also offers hundreds of live casino games if you're not quite ready to go back to the casino and play those card games in person you can do poker tournaments. You can do all kinds of live casino games over at Bet Online, and of course, of course, the best props in the business. If you visit BetOnline.ag now on your computer or mobile device, you will receive a special welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. BetOnline.ag. <laughs> all right, pop. So we just got to get into it. I mean. Luca Legend, what what that game was amazing. Am I am I too early to say he is the best player to ever touch basketball? Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting a little too <laughs> maybe <ahead of> you're <laughs> maybe you're getting a little too forward there. But something that we talked about it, and, and I, I I love the guy. I think he's a good guy, and 
he doesn't play with explicit athleticism. He plays with knowledge, body placement. I mean, I know he's a white guy, so you say he's not as athletic, you know. They, <laughs> he's deceptively just, athletic. But, yeah. I mean, he's obviously a good athlete. There is no doubt about that he's a good athlete. But I'm just telling you, he plays with smarts and body position and just knowledge of the game because he's been playing against grown-ups for seven years already. Jeez. Well, let's let's set the table real quick just for anyone who maybe didn't didn't hear the shot heard round world on Sunday when he hit that buzzer beater to, to beat the Clippers on a bum ankle against a Clippers team that many picked to win the NBA Finals and is probably the team most suited for guarding a really good perimeter score. And without with, his sidekick, by the way. Well, yeah. They got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the best perimeter defenders. One of them is the reigning Finals MVP. As Pops mentioned, Lucas playing on the bum ankle without Chris Tapps Porzingis being a late scratch due to knee soreness. I may have a conversation with you about that, Pops. That's... Two down, two one in a must-win game. You need to play. That knee better be pretty sore to <laughs> yeah. be sitting out. Yeah. Um, but Luca picks up the slack. Forty-three points, seventeen rebounds, thirteen assists, and hits the buzzer-beater winning three at the end of overtime to take down the Clippers. He becomes the third player ever with forty, fifteen, and ten in a playoff game. Joining Elgin Baylor and Championship Chuck. I don't know if you've caught any of that. I did uh, see that, yeah. Championship <laughs> Chuck. Making, they were making fun of Paul George, who apparently gave himself the nickname Playoff P. And Chuck said, how you Playoff P if you ain't show up in the playoffs? They don't call me Championship Chuck. And so now all they do is call him Championship Chuck. It kills me. Um, Luca, now the youngest player ever to hit a playoff buzzer beater and tied for the most points ever in a playoff triple-double. Um... I don't know where to start, uh, Pops. I, I will say the point, and I think you kind of uh, came on to the game a little late because I thought you were traveling, and so I texted you and just like, I don't know if you're watching, but there's there's a game going on that you'll have interest. You were like, uh-oh, let me get to a TV. Um, the Clippers had a 21-point lead when Luka checked back into the game in the second quarter, and it felt like one of those typical games, you know, Dallas doesn't have Porzingis. Luka's on a bum ankle. We didn't even know if he's going to play, and he just – Looks like he's got something, but maybe not enough to carry that group. And from that point on, Dallas outscores the Clippers over the next 28 minutes, 79-51. to 51. And in the third, with Dallas down eight, Luka played all 12 minutes, scored 13, going six for seven, had five assists, and he was responsible for 25 of the Mavericks, 35 points in the third quarter. It really kind of – we all knew he was good. And everyone – he had a great rookie year. He's had a great second year. He's been good in these playoffs. This kind of felt like the moment where you go, oh, he's not just good, good. He's he's ready. He's good, yeah. And he's. it reminded me a lot of that 2007 LeBron's game against the Pistons when he – it was the Pistons with Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton, a really good team. And LeBron came in and I think had like – Responsible for third, the last 30 points in the game. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was the point where we were like, oh, LeBron's like ready to be one of the faces of the game. I'm not saying – I think the conversation's ready to be had, Pops. Is Luke – I mean, right now, we all knew he was going to be one of the faces of the league for the, ne- the next decade. Is he already a top five player in the NBA? I think so. And I don't know that we knew he was going to be a face of the league for the next – I mean, I know now – 
But I mean, remember we we had a, we had a thought that okay, there's something special going on. Well, we had a thought, but we like the Mavericks. I mean, we're we're Mavericks fans. True, so we're a little biased. A we're a little, little biased. biased. I mean, I remember when they traded what him for Trey Young with Atlanta, and I mean, Trey Young's no slouch, but who wouldn't take Doncic now? I love the trade then, and and I'm in. Infatuated yeah. love with it now. I mean, you I don't know what the think word is. Monday, which which we're recording this on Monday night. So by the time you're listening to this game, four, five will be played. Right now, the series is tied two two, and it wouldn't shock me if I'm if I'm going on Bet Online right now. If you're telling me I have to go make a bet on this series, I'm probably still taking the Clippers to win the series if I had to. But the fact that they're they're right in it in this series, and really, if we look at it. Game one, they were winning, and Porzingis gets ejected in a iffy iffy call. And then game two, they like uh, what uh, Luca gets. Is that the game or game three? Maybe it was game three where uh, Luca turns his ankle. The Mavericks about played him in the series, and Luca's really going shot for shot. That that game last night was really really big to me watching because Kawhi was huge. Kawhi came up over and over and over again. Played well, and Luca no just kept it. He just reminds me of those guys. Like it kind of reminds me a little LeBron. Like you said, he doesn't have like LeBron's got that that difference that no one else has. Where he's just athletically, he's just different than everyone else. He's bigger, taller, faster. Plus, he's smart. Luca has the smarts to me where he just makes the right basketball play. Whether it's the layup, whether it's kicking it out for three, whether it's dishing off to the big man, he just makes the right basketball play every time. And I think. I don't think they're going to win the championship this year. I'd love for them to. I'd love for them to make a run, and you never know. I just think Dallas is in really good hands for the future because okay. players are going to want to play with Doncic. He just makes everyone – he's making Tim Hardaway Jr. look better than Paul George. Now, Tim Hardaway Jr. is good, but he's not actually better than Paul George. Well, and how old is Przingis? I think Przingis is 25, 24. Yeah, he's young. Something I mean, like that. They've yeah. got a good young core at Dallas. So, I, what kind of – what kind of athleticism does this guy have? Uh, not as much as LeBron. <laughs> not as much as Russell Was Westbrook. It? Not as much as uh, a lot of guys that I could mention in the NBA. Well, that was a phenomenal description. You just said he's he should. You just said he's Larry Larry Bird esque. That would be the way to say that. So Larry, I think he actually might be more athletic than Larry Bird. I might think he's a little more athletic than Larry Bird. What? What he kind of reminds he gets comparisons to Larry Bird only because he's a really good white basketball player. But Uh, I think he's actually more comparable to a James Harden, where they're actually more athletic than you realize. They just pick and choose their spots and they play kind of at their own pace. And he just knows when when to when to like shift gears, and sometimes he'll do it slow. He really impresses me. What were you going to say, Tony? Well, I don't want to slow y'all's roll or anything. Certainly, <laughs> not the expert here. But I did. I was watching the the uh, highlights last night, and I, ESPN had an interesting stat rolling as they went through the highlights. And at the bottom, they said Luka Doncic 0 for 10 in game winning or game tying shots in his lifetime. The stats rolling over, and so he first hits a layup. Ding. One for 11. <laughs> da, 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 da. He hits another one. Ding. Two for 12. Da, da. And that then, percentage oh, then he hits the game winner. Ding. Three. Three for 13. And what was shocking to me <clears throat> is that after he hit the shot, they turned around and they, they paralleled Michael Jordan's game winning jumper where he's pumping, you know. It's like, no, wait a minute. 
That was three for 13 in game-winning or game-tying shots in under a minute. I, I think we probably need to wait to see just a little bit to see if, if this guy is going to be more like um, Lynn or more like Larry Bird. Well, I think part of that, the fact that they're showing that he's taking that many, he's, he's, there are guys that are, are not willing to take that big shot. They, they kind of shy away from it. I think it's one thing to see Luka doesn't shy away from it. And two, you're right, it's a little early to be, you know, putting him side by side with MJ. <laughs> no, no, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I kind of go, hmm, if we play this out for 10 years, could he be up there in conversation with Jordan? That conversation's a little early. We should probably <laughs> pump the brakes. But if you remember, so Lucas 21 hit that big shot. The last, there was a guy in, I think it was 1989, hit a huge game winner against Cleveland in the playoffs. His name was Michael Jordan, I believe. And he was 25 at that age. I'm just saying, the trajectory is good. Now it's still early. It's super early. It's Who knows what happens? Early, yeah. It's super it's early, super but early. I, I. He it, is a good player. It's fair to be excited Dude, about. Shoot. It. You're right. Maybe we're he's a little overexcited, moves. but it's fair to be excited. He's got moves. You know what he's kind of moves. annoyed me, Pop? Not annoyed me because I was happy with the outcome. But if you're the Clippers, why the he- three seconds left right there for that last play? There's no way Kawhi Leonard should have switched. Mm-hmm. I know you switched the right play, like in the third quarter. Sure, switch. But right there, Luka's taking that shot. And if he's not, if he dishes it off, let Tim Hardaway Jr. beat you. Let Seth Curry beat you. Let Trey Burke beat you. I'm not letting Luka get Reggie Jackson for the game winner. I'm, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, and like, like I mentioned earlier, he made play after play in that game, and he almost always makes the right play. But that shot he that took at the end of the fourth quarter at the buzzer wasn't really what I wanted him. To, like if I'm a Clipper fan, that's not what I'm looking for. And then the switch on Luka, I, just, I didn't think that was – the best thing ever. And then, well, it wasn't, I don't know when it, it, Paul George is going to show up. Well, hey, Paul George and, and Ryan Rosillo, I don't know if you heard his 30-13 rant, which, which was a perfect fit for Paul George. He's You're not surprised if he hits 30 points. You're not surprised if he hits 13 points. I thought that was very insightful and appropriate. Yeah. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, yeah, he, he could have easily worked through that, that pick and, and stayed on him. He chose to switch. Um, and Luca probably makes the right basketball yeah. play and passes it. And if I'm the Clippers, that's mine. I lose to any other Maverick not named Doncic in that situation, especially when he's cooking. He had 43. Yeah, he was cooking at that point. You just you make I, someone else beat you. What were you gonna say, Tony? Yeah, I do have a question as a novice. So I, I just want to know: Does Luca live on the second floor? <laughs> God, I don't get it. I don't, he's going I to an old song. <laughs> I can't remember who's saying that. Who's saying that? My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I live floor. on the second floor. <laughs> well, that went well, that's straight uh, over my head. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing I want to know. I wonder if he lives on the second floor. Well, how big is he, Kevin? I looked. It said that he is 6'7", 230. Is he only 6'7"? Six, 6'7", seven? Six, seven, six, somewhere right around uh, there. He plays. I don't know, you say only. He plays point guard. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. But he, he plays guard. big for six seven. I mean, he's he's strong enough to kind of yeah. get position. <clears throat> I, uh, all right, enough with all the Luca praise. But I am a fan. Certainly, yeah. I'm a fan. Well, yeah. so if you want to you talk know, about Lifford, how, oh, go ahead. In, in college, Lifford Lifford wasn't six seven, but he played to six seven. Yeah, I just want to put that out there. Um, yeah. to, to show you how big he is, because you don't notice it all the time, because he's playing guard. He's kind of the ball handler. There was a moment they showed, and we're going to get into what led up to the moment, but there's at the beginning of the game, him and Montrez Harrell. Harrell's a play center for the Clippers, probably about 6'9", big guy, and Luke is going up there to shake his hand, and, and they were having a conversation. 
Luka's damn near the same size, and Luka's playing point guard. So he has a lot of size for it. That's why I think there's a difference between him and Trey Young, where neither one of them are great defensively, but Luka's not tiny. You know, Trey Young's tiny and bad at defense. So, I mean, he's just a mismatch problem a no matter who's on him. Right. At least Luka can kind of bang with someone. Now, that, that moment they showed at the beginning of the game where Montrez Harrell is, is high, they're having a conversation. What led up to it was a point in the game, uh, game three, I believe it was, where Montrez Harrell gets a bucket and the camera catches him yelling back at Luka, calling him, and I'm going to go ahead and just quote it, calling him a bitch-ass white boy. That gained a lot of a lot of that uh, it, it got a lot of uh, storylines and headlines because the the kind of thing was if Lucas says something like we know a lot of the things are like literally on the back of Harold's uh, jersey it says end racism and then he's saying something specifically towards his race. <clears throat> Some people were calling for him to be suspended, be fined. Pops, I just want to ask you. What were your thoughts about that situation and how it played out? Well, my immediate thought was that if it's bad one way, it's bad another. You know, so if if and I'm fine not using the N word. I'm fine with that. Uh, I, I I'm I agree with that. But I would say that I I think probably everybody ought to quit using the N word. I mean, that would be the way I feel. And so if you if you're not going to use that. You shouldn't use bitch-ass white boy or cracker ass or, you know, something like that. We ought to let all that go, you know. If we're going to let redskins go, we ought to let that go. Now, with that said, I do think Harold really apologized for it. I do think he felt bad. I think it was done in the heat of the moment, and and I can get past some of that. You say some things in the heat of the moment if you're a competitor in a game that that is not – you know, directed at your family or your heritage. It's just I'm in the game. So, and it's it's worth noting that game that was game three. It was getting pretty physical and pretty chippy. Both like, which Morris, one of the Morris twins on the Clippers, he's known for this. But he was getting all up in Lucas' face at one point. Porzingis was getting up in their face. Like it was getting chippy. There was a lot of talk going on. In fact, just a few plays before. Harold kind of flopped a little bit. It was questionable whether he flopped. And Luca definitely not only said, stop effing flopping, big man. He, like, looked over him as he kind of stepped over him, which is a sign of kind of a disrespectful thing to do, like, if you're a grown man. So there was a little heat of the battle going on. But, Tony, what, what just as just kind of hearing how it all played out and everything, what were, what was your thoughts about some of that? Yeah, I, and I, to Lifford's point, I think in the heat of the battle, I, I think things those are kind said. of things. He, he didn't talk about his mother, you know. He didn't, you know, really say something that, I, you know, I, I get it, but I mean, if foreigner can call me a dirty white boy, I guess <laughs> he can call him a bitch ass white boy, and I, so I, you know, I'm fine with that. That's another song reference you don't get, Kevin, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, and I, and so, but honestly, if I was walking down the street. And somebody coming, hey man, hey don't come over my lane, bitch ass white boy. I'd probably have a problem with that. Now if if I'm on the court and I'm banging out there and something happens, that should happen right there. And when they leave the court, hey man, didn't mean that. You know what? Hey, he the battle, I'm with it. I'm fine with that. I I, I just don't think you, you know. Now it it can't be like you've seen you know, on you know 
on Remember the Titans and there's there's white guys calling penalties on black guys because they're black. That's completely different. But it's the heat of the moment, man. Is he white? Yeah. Was he a bitch ass? It seemed to be at the moment. <laughs> and so uh, at least so, Harold you know, thought so. <laughs> I yeah, and uh, and so let it go, man. Let these guys play. But it, as long as they understand, and it, it's just a shame. And that's the one thing I hate about. And, and I know we're in a certain situation where there's nobody in there, but don't mic up players. You know, let them play. And because what's said on the field is not for. For, for for small kids and and you know and and tender adults to hear because because you know, there's stuff is said out there that you that's not what you want to do but you've got to be out there and be competitive and you're you know that's what that's all about so. well I and, and one point I wanted to know there we are one it doesn't need to be said he didn't need to we, we he can call him Really, he probably shouldn't be calling a grown man a bitch, but you know things are said. We we watched the Astros and and uh, who was that? Joe Kelly. I bet he had some choice words at one point. I think we know they were some choice words. Um, things are going to get said on the field. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. And after the game, even like at, before Game Four, and I bet after when they went and shook hands, Harold didn't mean it as anything. Now, I've heard the argument. Well, if a white guy can't say, you know. Bitch-ass black boy. That shouldn't be said. Neither should bitch-ass white boy. Neither one needs to be said, and I think both of them realize that, and Harold's like, my bad, and you learn from it, and that's all we can do. There is, It is funny, and some people have compared it to, oh, white people can't say the N-word. He shouldn't say that. Well, there's a reason we say N-word on this podcast, and we're fine saying white boy. You know, they're different. They're a little different. I'm not willing to say the N-word. But Harold shouldn't have said it. It shouldn't be said out in the court, and I think Harold realizes that, and I think Luca was like, yeah, I'd rather you not call me that, but, you know, it happens. And I'm betting it, – it's, it's one of those things, in basketball especially, being a sport that predominantly has more black people in it. We, we hear it all the time when a white guy starts – when a, Dad, if you're playing pickup and all of a sudden this white guy starts getting some buckets, you hear it all the time, white boy can play. Yeah. White boy can play. It just happens. It just it, – it's part of – it. Happens all the time. I don't think there was ill will, but there's a lot of things. If we've learned anything in the past few months, if, if you, we've talked about it before, if someone doesn't want to be called something, then just learn from it and go. Okay, it, yeah. that's fine. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think Harold has a problem not saying I, white boy anymore. He might still call him a bitch ass at some point, <laughs> and that's probably going to happen at some yeah. point in the series because it's been getting chippy. I would. I would venture to guess that Lifford has probably heard bitch ass white boy more often than white boy can play. <laughs> <laughs> that's just I'm just guessing. It's probably a it's probably I wonder what the odds are on bet uh, bet online on that one. <laughs> I have a guess. Um my our, my last thing I wanted to bring up NBA wise, um and then we're moving on to some NFL stuff because NFL's right around the corner as we mentioned. Oh yeah. Um at first, I don't. You were watching a little. You were watching obviously pops, and I know you love the inside crew, and I was watching the inside NBA crew. And that, right after the game, obviously there's a lot of praise for Luca, as there has been on this pod. But Shaq was real quick to throw water on it and say, "Oh, I've seen it before. I've seen stuff like this before. Let's calm down." And I was kind of like, "Hold on, Shaq. That was a 21 year old just had a huge game." Now I'm a Luca fan, so I was also still jumping up and down in my living room. I think at that point. Um, he, but the more I've watched, Shaq may have had a point. So we're like we're over here. I've heard a lot of conversations about Luca's a face of this league and a future face of this league, and and he showed that he's an MVP candidate. Well, there's another guy in the playoffs right now. Donovan Mitchell has had an amazing playoffs. They're they're up three one over the Nuggets, who a lot of us 
setters a really good team. He scored 50 twice in this series. The only two other guys to ever do that in one series is Michael Jordan and Jerry West. Pretty good so, company. And, and Wilt Chamberlain, sorry, and Wilt Chamberlain. So that's pretty good company to be on. And he's put 57, 30, and then I think in the third, game three, he had like 28 on great shooting. Let's just look at his average. Now he's one year above Luca, I think, as far as how long he's been in the league. But he's averaging 39, 5, and 5 on 56% shooting. Maybe Shaq was on to something a little bit as – I think it's Luca's the new guy. You know, it's well, the new thing. I think, so that's why I think Donovan Mitchell is is just understood to be a star in this league. I mean, it's his third year. I, I think that's the only difference. I mean, I just – Donovan Mitchell is just a badass. And I, I love to watch him play. I love his game. I like I like him as a person. So, I don't – I think it's just that you're seeing Luca really step out and, and show his ability where we've seen Donovan Mitchell's before now. We're seeing it still. I, that's the way I look at it. I'm with that because I maybe for a lot of people, obviously, I think I've watched a ton of Lucas, so I feel like I, I at least knew there was a possibility he had this potential. It's great to actually see it, and we've hoped for it. But for a lot of people, they're they're like, oh, I've heard because Dallas hasn't been that great since Lucas been there. They didn't miss the playoffs last year, so this is kind of a lot of people going. Okay, I've heard there's this this European guy like this. I've heard this story before. There's a European guy in Dallas that's supposedly really good. Well, let's see him. And this is the first time they're seeing him. Looks pretty good. I as we move on, as a Mavericks fan, it is pretty awesome to know that we Dirk's last year was Luca's first year. The torch seemed to get passed pretty well. Seems like the organization's in good hands. Let's just hope things go go well moving forward. Yeah, Kevin. Last thing, and believe it or not, I've got an NBA comment. So, yeah. Um, so here's what's something I think you should check on for the next podcast, and I'm wondering what your uh, thought is on this. And and you would ask me this about MLB records in the shortened season, but I'm wondering in this bubble and where they're playing here, is it easier to shoot? I was just looking at the the rec uh, the the scores of some of these games, and we're seeing 120s, 130s on a consistent basis. So my two questions would be. You don't have to answer them now, but I think it'd be interesting to find out: is this, are these easier arenas to shoot in, without fans and with the background that they have? With this, is it easier to shoot, or have we got some mismatches in these first, for this first round where we've got really good teams playing, really just teams that just barely made it, and we're seeing these bigger scores? It looks like to me these folks are really shooting well in these arenas without the fans, and it's this closed in is giving them a better look at the basket. Well, I would to answer that. I think I do have somewhat of an answer. I, it is, I think, an easier uh, area, arena to shoot in. And I've heard JJ Redick, who is a great shooter, talk about this. He mentioned that it's a little dimmer. There's nothing in the background that kind of distracts you, and it's just kind of a shooter's arena. So yes, I do think it's a little bit better. But also, we're just in an NBA now where they just shoot so much more. Yeah. Like Luca's a thirty percent shooter, and he took ten threes in the game. A 30% shooter in 1999 does not take 10 threes in a game. Okay. Now, Luca went so four for 10. Yeah, it's just more where it's a faster paced game, more shooting. And I think because I think I, the analytic people have decided, which is correct. If you shoot 10, if you're a 40% shooter and you shoot 10 threes, you'd rather make four threes than five twos. I mean, that's just that's more points. Yeah. What yeah. were you going to say? The Pops? only thing I'd add to that is that I think the rest that these guys had, you know, that break at the end of the year, I think a lot of times you you kind of limp into the playoffs fatigued. These guys are fresh. They got full offseason. They got, basically, they got like three fresh legs. Yeah. 
Um, fresh legs helps you shoot. I mean, there's just there's well, no and, doubt. and Kenny mentioned exciting. Kenny, <clears throat> they're exciting. It's, they're great games. Great. That. It's great. Kenny That's Smith good. did mention about Luca. This really like it's his second year, but really it's like his third year. They had a full off season to not only get fresh, but to to practice on things, figure out what you what you need to improve on. So, and that's why I think it's making for a really high scoring and good basketball because these guys have just had months to like really get ready and like Pop said, get fresh. Okay. Um, All right. Great answer. Great answer, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Luke. I just know it, whatever it is, to take the shot that Luca took and especially with, with Tony saying 0 for 10 in game winning shots before that and take those three huge shots, clearly had – some it took some grown man balls to take those shots. And speaking of grown man balls, if you need to ever clean up down there in the nether region, you, you may know if you've done this before. Sometimes if you get the wrong trimmer, you get some of those nicks and snugs and snags, and that's just that's just not good. It's painful. It's not what you want. There's a lot of things you want in life. That's not one of them. And so that's why I'm here to tell you about those accidents are a thing of the past. The Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has been beautifully designed to reduce all those nicks and tugs. This is the third generation trimmer with featuring it's featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology and developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting We thought we thought Luca looks good with 3 months. They spent 18 months perfecting the Lawnmower 3.0. This thing is perfect and it was just released new and improved and it's got a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave if you forget to plug it in you're fine probably for the next day because i don't think many shaves take 90 minutes then again you could be extremely maybe you haven't had a lawnmower 3.0 and you you've been needing a shave for a while who knows and it's water resistant technology so you can shave in the shower if you want plus LED light, which illuminates that grooming area. So, you know, it's a dark area. Maybe the lights went out. Maybe someone tried to play a joke on you and turn the light. Like you're, you got your roommate in the room and they turn the lights out while you're showering. Well, fine. I'll just get my lawnmower 3.0 and it's got a LED light. We're good. So many people have talked about how great it is. And if you would like to get your hands on a lawnmower 3.0, we got a deal for you. If you go to manscaped.com right now and put in the promo code armchair. You can get 20% off plus free shipping. Again, that's manscaped.com, promo code armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R. Armchair, okay. Trust me, your balls will thank you. All right. Hey, hey, I bet two things. You know, you can't afford any nicks in the bubble, right? Right, so right. you can't have no nicks in the bubble because they may kick you out. And second, I don't think Luca makes that shot if his undercarriage wasn't feeling so <laughs> Oh, you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't end up that smooth at the end of the game without having your undercarriage smooth. I mean, that's just, that's just facts. That's yeah, just, that's well, I will take his word about his undercarriage. I do not need to see it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how I knew we had too much Luca talk when we started talking about his undercarriage. All right, moving on to the NFL Guys, yeah. I mean, it's kind of snuck up on me without it's, preseason. Oh, man. Usually, usually at this point, I am knee-deep. No doubt. Yep. The third running back on the Patriots. I'm looking at the slot receiver for the Broncos. This Could be it. good. I don't – I feel like I don't know anything. And it's right around the corner, too. And, like, what it – let me see. One, we're, yeah. like, a good 18 days away from the first game. 
there was there was a situation where multiple teams canceled football activities on Sunday after Saturday's COVID test results. Uh, the NFL released this statement saying Saturday's daily COVID testing returned several positives, positive tests from each of the clubs serviced by the same laboratory in New Jersey. We are looking in with our testing partners, BioReference, to investigate the results. Um, they're taking immediate action. That's why they canceled stuff. But then it came out to figure out that a lot of those were false positives, which I think one shows us that, I mean, this is kind of a mess. Like, what if we get a bunch of false positives on on Saturday before a Sunday game? Like, what do we do? What if what if Dak Prescott and Zeke have a false positive? Do you hold them out? Do you hold the do you postpone the game? I mean, do you think this impacts the season coming up? Just the fact that this can happen, Tony. I you know I don't think that it does because it's good that it happened now. Uh, one of the Amen. things that they figured out after this process was don't go to New Jersey. Company, don't go one. Don't go send your shit to New Jersey. That, that should be everybody's mantra. Don't send your shit to New Jersey. And if you just <laughs> live by that, you'll be fine. Um, but, uh, but hey, for all you New Jersey Just Rush Play podcast listeners out there, you know I'm kidding. Um, but Because we're big in New Jersey, right? Um, oh, yeah. So, huge huge uh, presence in New Jersey. Huge in New Jersey. But what they did figure out is, is that the company uh, did uh, realign, and they have the ability to retest fairly quickly now. Where you can get a get a retest um, uh, and, and get a get a result, uh, I think within two to four hours, something like that. Well, I know no. Yale, the, the the research team at Yale, like had a saliva test that just got emergency approval from the FDA or something, where that will allow you one. The test is really quick, and I think you can get a result back in like like yeah. you said, two to four hours. So yeah. this shouldn't be like if you test Sunday Saturday night, and all of a sudden that comes yeah. back negative or positive. You go, hey, we need you to take another test. You know, I, I think I think Hold you're on, right Pally. on that. And pops, you Hold were gonna. On, it sounded like you were gonna reiterate, or I saw you nodding your head when he was like, "It's a good thing this happened now." Is that what you were? Thinking? Oh yeah, yeah. But but I think as y'all have alluded to, they they have steps in place because I mean, this is a possibility. There is false tests so that they can retest quickly. I mean, look how look how good. Of course, we're not in a bubble, but the bubble at, in the NBA has gone well. It's certainly gone well. So I, Very it well. Can, Zero positive test. It can happen, and, and I think we can have a season. I'm, I'm feeling more – I'm feeling more better about it uh, because this happened now and they worked through it. Yeah. Well, and we yeah. knew it would probably – at one point it looked like the NFL kind of dropped the ball because it looked – at one point it was like – what is the protocols right before camp was supposed to start? But we have seen, I think, over – they announced the other day, over 100,000 tests and 1% have been positive. And I think, one, just being, like you said, stuff's happening now. These false positives are happening now. That's going to help them out learning how to deal with it. Plus, after watching some of the things that happened with the MLB tone, I think the players got to see, especially some of these young guys, like, oh, shit, we better – if you want to play, you better take this serious and you better not go clubbing. Yeah. I know – it's hard to tell a 21, 24-year-old with some money in their pocket, don't go clubbing. But that roster spot may depend on it, and I think they're realizing this is serious. So I, I'm with you, Pops. My confidence level, which was shaky probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I think we'll have a season. Now, it's obvious, COVID's going to change the season. I mean, there's not going to be fans in some of the stands. It's going to be different, but I think we will have a season. Were you going to yeah. say something, Tony? Yeah. yeah, I think, it, you know, I had said earlier on the last time I was on that – you know, NFL was going to get the opportunity to benefit from MLB and NBA and NHL, and they certainly have done that 
because uh, you've seen they they test every day. If y'all haven't seen Hard Knocks, I thought I think it's pretty interesting to watch them and, and they they come into those facilities and they're testing and, they, and it's really controlled environment. Uh, other than Sean with Betty taking his shirt off, but um, Wait, you know, within I, like twenty minutes of the the first show, he had to take his shirt off. That's he had that planned bad. out, don't you think? He was oh, like, yeah. I'm showing off the I chest. I got to get my dog in the pool. Let me show you. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think they've really learned from that, and, and, and so I, they've had that opportunity to, to 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 make it as best as it can be when you've got the most players on a team of any of the major sports, and so they're dealing with you know at this point in time, ninety players per team as it gets down to the season, probably 75 to 80 players per team because they are going to allow the practice squad guys to stay with them. And so uh, it's it's going to be uh, – yeah, it's interesting. But it's all about control, and I, I think they keep showing that. If they'll do it, it's great. I think the Miami Marlins, the perfect example of if a guy tests positive, don't send him out on the field. Yeah. You, you think, no, nah, there's no way it's a false, and then it comes out positive. It ruined a week to ten days for them and the Phillies. And the Cardinals, the complete opposite – don't go to a casino and then get on an airplane with the rest of your team. Dumbass. I mean, it's just don't do it. And so it's it's really, you know, those are things that they've learned from. And, hey, we can, they can play if they'll just stick by the rules. Yep. Totally agree. I'm curious. I haven't really thought about this as much. How much different will it be without fans? It, it, some I think some stand, uh, teams are going to have some fans because they can social distance but it's clearly you know in Seattle or New Orleans you know two stadiums that are known for being really loud it's not going to be near as loud as it typically is what will that do for the offense like you can now communicate very easily you don't have to huddle at all maybe you could have a complete no huddle and it's not like there's going to be communication issues I don't know do you do you think that does that I guess prove big for these older quarterbacks that are with the same system like a Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, or Aaron Rodgers, or do you think it levels out? Well, what do you what What are your thoughts about no fans in the stands, pops? I I think the the team that can adjust on the fly uh, and and has prepared for the all these outcomes will will do the best. And and I okay, so you're talking about New England. <laughs> I'm talking about Drew Brees too. I'm talking right. about you know uh, the Cowboys. <laughs> you know I don't know about that. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> I just think this is going to be such an interesting season because it it's just things are going to have you're going to have to go with the flow. You're going to have to make changes midstream, midweek, all the time, and the teams that handle those best. And I think we'll get to see really good football. I hope let's let's let the home field you know the home field advantage will be somewhat gone. Let let them make audibles at the line and let's see if you adjust. And I mean those defensive players are going to hear them. They're going to pick up on some of that too. So that's another thought. Yeah, really smart defensive teams. They'll pick do they up just on start picking up on everything? And by the third quarter, they know all your. Because I, I think it's it, some of the really smart defensive players, like Ed, one player I think about is like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis back in the day. It seemed like by the third quarter of games, they knew what the other team was doing on plays. Like mm-hmm. they could point to the left outside linebacker and say they're going to run it right here. And now there's not even they're going to hear everything, even when like two linemen just kind of talk to each other. So I think it, smart players are going to benefit really mm-hmm. good from this, and I something that is something the Patriots are usually known for. They might sacrifice some talent just to get guys who are going to really play smart. So I just think, like you said, pops, the main thing will be prepare for every possible outcome, no matter because we one thing we've learned from COVID is things can change from today to tomorrow. So I think the NFL teams with really smart coaches 
which we guess we don't know about Dallas. We we got the uh, the redhead out of the building, so maybe we could uh, be a smart team. I don't know. They got a really smart coach now. <laughs> really smart. Um, I did want to bring up one guy who is not making smart decisions right now, and that is the man formerly employed by the Baltimore Ravens, Earl Thomas. Uh, the Pro Bowl safety was officially re- released by the Ravens on Sunday following a fight with a teammate. I think was it. Chuck Scott was the guy. I don't know who that was, but yeah. supposedly the I think the other safety, punched him, yeah. punched yeah. him and like <laughs> dropped him. I think blocked him. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens then terminated the contract for quote personal contact that has adversely affected the Baltimore Ravens, meaning they're trying to recoup all the guaranteed money that he's owed, which I think for this next year is ten million. I mean, he just signed a fifty four year fifty five million dollar deal last year. It sounds like to me the Ravens are saying. If you want your money, take us to court. We think we got a pretty good, pretty good case. I think there's a lot more. Earl Thomas is a good player. I think there's a lot more than just one punch thrown to a teammate. I hear a lot of cow. I follow obviously a lot of Cowboys fans because a lot of my friends are Cowboys fans. Everyone's. I'm hearing a lot of. Oh man, we're gonna get Earl Thomas. He's gonna be a great safety. That's exactly what you need. There's a reason the Ravens cut him. You know, because they're gonna. There's gonna be some dead cap probably with this. What, what, what have your thoughts been kind of going from some of this Earl Thomas news, Tony? Well, the two things that, that I thought about is the NFL's really changed. And, and so because, you know, there was always this issue that they said, well, you can be a problem child and still stay on an NFL team. But I think the NFL has shown in the last five years uh, how much it's changed uh, for uh, those that don't adhere to the social norms that, you're, that, that people look for. Uh, Darius Geis is another example. <clears throat> there was no opportunity for him to be able to say, "I've, uh, oops, I messed up. This is not the case. I'm being falsely accused." No, he's gone, and certainly not the extent of what's happened here with Earl Thomas. But I think Earl Thomas and Antonio Brown both situations where you've got just hugely talented players that would help any ball club that they would be on from the field aspect. But nobody wants that problem. And, and I think that now we're finding that there are players that can replace them, and they know that. And, and, and this is where the NFL is changing, where you see that there's these players that, hey, I got a job, I'm going to treat it like a job. And so we've seen that, that ebb and flow come back around of where really a lot more professionalism in the game. And I'll say this, when Earl Thomas was let go, uh, the, it wasn't necessarily the uh, management that did it. Their, their uh, council – uh, their captain's council, what do they call it, the team, I think it's five or six uh, guys. They all went to the coach and said, he's got to go. Yeah, it, I, it was a unanimous decision within the locker room. He's got to go. And, and you know, normally these guys get paid money if they make the playoffs and go to go to the Super Bowl. And for them to make that decision, that meant he really needed to go. And, and so there's probably more to this story than, than we're hearing about what Earl Thomas is, is about. And so I – and now the rumor was rampant because the Cowboys cleared seven million dollars in cap space uh, with the earlier. Gerald McCoy stuff. Yeah, well, Gerald McCoy, and then they restructured uh, Tyron uh, Smith. Tyron Smith's contract. Tyron Smith's yeah, contract. Right. So they freed up some cap space. And the first thought was is because they're thinking about making a deep playoff run and they need it for somebody midseason. But then all of a sudden, oh, sh- Earl Thomas is loose. Oh, that's what they're doing. And I, I don't think so. If they wanted Earl Thomas, they would have had him a year ago. Uh, and, but and so you probably can get him at a, at a at a the value price. Extremely, right now. yeah, you can get him extremely discounted price now. But um, I, it, it, just for this year, I, I, I don't, I don't. 
Earl, well, there was news out today I haven't heard, but Grant Delpit looks like the rookie safety for Cleveland. It's carted off today. Looks like he's got a ruptured Achilles. They don't know for sure, but if he's down, you bet the Browns are going to go look for him. Well, I, I want to get your thoughts, Pops, but I think it's clear. Earl Thomas will be employed before probably two weeks from now. I think he'll get a job. I'm just interested. As I know you're a Cowboys fan, Pops, so safety is a position they could probably use some help at. Uh, but I think Tony's on to something that was of particular note. The Ravens player leadership, like Tony said, were behind the release. Mm-hmm. NFL's, NFL Network's Mike Garofalo reported that team leaders communicated management on Saturday. They were in full support of a release or trade. I think it sounds like to me they went in there with the jukebox playing uh, Goodbye Earl by the Dixie Chicks trying to get him out of the building. <laughs> so if you're a cowboy, if you're if you're Jerry Jones, if you're, if you're uh, Mike McCarthy pops, do you – Take a shot on a, probably like like we mentioned a discount version, a cheap version of Earl Thomas, or do you want? Are you like uh-uh, I don't want any? Part no, of that. no, the the answer is I I would I would take a shot, but it would have to go a certain way for me. And, and I kind of go back to you remember when he did he got hurt with Seattle, and you remember what he did to the bench, and and flipped off the bench going out playing under contract that he Epping signed. And it was just unprofessional. I get all that stuff. I mean, you should renegotiate. I understand it's a little different than the NFL. I understand all that. that was, but still. That was extremely unprofessional. And I think it was a little bit of a foresight of, of, of what, he, what makes Earl Thomas up. So, yes, would I take a chance? He would have to come in and maybe even talk to the team. Does he want to play? And he may not want to do all that. He may want to go to that trouble. But he'd have to talk to the team and go, you know, I'm going to be a team player uh, Etc. And and yes, his talent speaks for itself. Could the Cowboys use him? Yes. But if he doesn't want to come in and talk to the coaches and the team before we sign him, I tell him, AMF, get on down the road. I don't need you. <laughs> well, and I, so that's what's interesting to me. I, I think like whether you agree with him flipping off the like his dispute with the Seattle's management or not, it was still unprofessional. You do that behind closed doors if you're really upset. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go to the Baltimore situation. If the players were totally willing, like they were all behind him getting cut, and they were quick to – if the Ravens were quick to cut him, which they're going to try to appeal this and try to get some of this money back, and they very well could lose, but if clear, clearly the Ravens feel like they have a case. And if you know any – if I know anything about football practices and training camps, fights happen, you know. Guys are going to get into it. It's going to happen. This wasn't the – I'm pretty sure this wasn't the first time he clashed with a teammate. And that's why they're like, you know, he's good, but he ain't worth it. And so I think you're right, Pops. I think if you wonder, he's going to help you on the field as just as a good player, but is it worth it? I, he worked in Seattle, and this was something Tony brought on, I think it was before we started recording. He worked in Seattle because there was some leaders in that locker room. Seattle's brought in a lot of kind of volatile guys, but I think one thing Pete Carroll knows about what he can do in his locker room is he had alpha dogs in there. He had Cam Chancellor. Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner. They always had someone who was a, an alpha dog who would kind of go, hey, like, check yourself. And so if you're going to bring Earl Thomas in, you better make sure there's someone in there that can check him. And if not, he's not worth Let it. Let him I go think. down the road, yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to ask you guys this because, as I mentioned, normally I would be all over, you know, the, the sleeper running back for the, the – Sandy or the Los Angeles Chargers, something you know, I'm all I'd be all into fantasy. I've not been as as much as I usually am, and I just now realized I'm a commissioner of a league, and I was like, 
shit, we need to get our draft plan. Like we don't even have the date set for our draft. Fantasy football is right down the right down the road, and I think is there. Do you think there should be new rules with 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 COVID going on? Like, should teams have more roster spots? Should what happens if the season ends early? I'll ask you that. What happens? Do you do you think if you're a commissioner or you're a team? I know y'all, you, you two are both in a league, and I, maybe I already have a plan situated. But what happens if the season ends early? Do we need, does that need to be decided now if you're a league? I think so. You probably need to do that, and and so it, it actually each one. It depends on different sites you use. I know we I'm using a in one of the leagues I'm in uh, a commissioner's tool that has the ability to either roll over uh, into next year. Uh, run a playoff system to that point, whatever you decide to do. And uh, uh, so it, you just got to decide before the season starts, if there's a stoppage, what is our plan? And, and I think it, it will probably discuss that in Liff and I's league, uh, hopefully while we're sober before the draft, uh, <laughs> decide, you know, if, if we're going to, if we don't get through eight games, are we going to call it and just roll, um, roll fees to next year and double up or 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 are we gonna does the top three stages, people get some money or how, yeah, or how does it work stages of the game yeah i, I we're gonna know <laughs> honestly kevin i think we're gonna know uh by the first four games if we get into october and we're playing and we haven't had a large outbreak there's there's going to be football played because they're going to be in the routine they're going to be in there they will be around the folks that need to be around and we're good now I will say this: uh, most leagues are are allowing a, a, a an additional additional roster spots for uh, for those for players in case there is a COVID. If you get a player like you said, Dak Prescott, let's say he tests positive on a Saturday night, and on a Sunday morning, all of a sudden he's on the IL because he's got a positive test. Well, you're screwed because normally you're out. You, you can't go pick up a uh, pick up somebody for that. Well. A lot of leagues now have put that functionality in where you've got an additional four to six roster spots that you can go pick up uh, a player until that person comes off the exempt list, and then you've got a drop to get out, and you can only have a certain number within that that are on the IL, not the IR, and, and that's the difference here. Well, that's something I thought was interesting because, like, like you said, if you're quarterback, some people go like a one quarterback league, or not? They they only take one quarterback because they're just they're just not worth rostering. A backup, but now all of a sudden, you know your quarterback test positive. He's going to be out for a week. You obviously have to go pick up somebody. That's a tough choice now. Do you? Yeah. If you have to drop someone, you obviously if you have a really good like say you have a stud. Say you have a Patrick Mahomes. You're obviously not dropping Patrick Mahomes. So now you're just right. you're either thinking about draft dropping one of your bench guys, or maybe if you have that IL spot, you can just pick someone yeah. up. I think that makes sense. Um, but I just thought as far as the season ending early, at first my thought was like. Oh, maybe you just do like the top five teams, split it, or the like by record. Like this person gets this much, this person gets that much. But I've seen a lot, like a, multiple years I've been in. I mean, I've started out really good. I've started out like nine and zero one year, and never and didn't win a single game after that. It happens all the time, and you don't even make yeah. the playoffs. Like it, the season changes quickly. So I don't. I think yeah. you have to do either, like you said, Tony. I think you have to roll over or or just end yeah. it and say everyone gets their money back. And that's a something. That's a conversation for anyone out there that hasn't. If you're in a league, that conversation should be had now. Because if I'm eight and zero and the season ends, you yeah. you better believe I'm going to try to get some extra money out of it. So that conversation should be had now. Probably like Tony said, hopefully before the drinks start flowing too much. But absolutely, pops. What do you absolutely. think? Is there any other like uh, 
things that you're worried about or that could be? Well, the, in the scenario Tony just said, and I know we've often had, you can make waiver claims, you know, through like Thursday night or whatever, and then you can maybe pick an extra guy Friday if, if something happens. But, but yeah, Saturday, and I know last year I was cruising along pretty good, and Matt Stafford, if you remember, he hurt his back and then was out Sunday morning. He was just out. And, and I think my other quarterback was on an off week. I mean, I was just kind of screwed. Now, I understand that was the rules. I think now with COVID and this possibility, maybe we should allow, you know, a waiver claim. Either the extra roster, roster spots or have a bigger waiver pool and let it go until Sunday morning, perhaps, in those cases. So we, we have to anticipate that because I think it will happen. And uh, one of those scenarios we need to talk about and, and allow, whatever – the, the group agrees on. Yeah, yeah um, I think one one thing this this year will prove uh, the player that is really like in line. They're always kept up to date. They got you know like Adam Schefter's tweet notifications on, or they have like a, a fantasy app that gives them notifications. The waiver wire is going to be important because there's going to be a week where all <laughs> of a sudden uh, Dalvin yeah. Cook's out, and you want his backup. Like he has a great matchup, and all of a sudden he's in line yeah. for 30 carries. I'm just saying, it might be the year if you've kind of scoffed at. I don't like. I'm not that worried about fantasy football. I'm not going to get notifications for every single thing. But this year, that could be the way to win some money. Because yeah, be the, yeah. yeah. the guy might I, go yeah. out, like you said, 10 p.m. on Saturday. We might learn that this running back's yeah. out, and now Kareem Hunt's going to get 25 carries. So yeah, they'll figure out. You'll you'll know as you go in the season. That's the funny thing about fantasy football. We always think we're mimicking real football, right? We try, but it's anyway. We're just a bunch of geeks. So, uh, <laughs> but you try to mimic real football, and one of the things is this year, COVID positive COVID tests don't go on the IR; they go on the commissioner's exempt list. And the commissioner's exempt list is pretty extraordinary in that you can come off of that anytime. You know, it's you know, uh, ask Ray Rice; he's never come off of it. But uh, you can go on at any time, but you can come off at any time, and and that's the way they're handling these COVID tests, so that you you get the commissioner's exempt list, which gives the, the, the club the opportunity to pick up an additional roster spot at no penalty. Uh, but but those players aren't frozen for three or four weeks out. They can go back on at any time. It's so not like the, the IR designated return where it's eight weeks or whatever. Right, right. So you could be let, you could catch COVID on Saturday night whenever their tests are going to be before <clears throat> Sunday morning. I suspect it's going to be Saturday evening before they go, to, before they go and, and get in their bubble Saturday. They're going to get a test. And so I don't think there'll be won't be Sunday morning we wake up, oh shit, Dak Prescott's out. I think that and I don't know why we keep saying Dak Prescott. I know, I really oh, hope shit. I hope Dak Prescott doesn't test positive because it's gonna feel like we like jinxed him. Yeah. But we hope no one's oh, just positive. We hope no one's Oh shit, Jimmy Garoppolo's out. You know, we're gonna it's just you know, we're gonna we're not gonna hear that Sunday morning. We're gonna hear it Saturday night and they'll have that ability to have those tests. So they'll they'll have some time for so, that. So so you're saying you're saying I need to be careful, like if I'm doing some my partying on Saturday yeah. night, I might need yeah. to keep my at least check my phone early. You have that monitor on. <laughs> yeah. And, and and if you're the commissioner, make sure you set that up where somebody goes on the commissioner's exempt list, you get an additional roster spot until that that person comes off and then you gotta reduce that roster spot. It's going to be tough on commissioners this yep. year. Definitely. But it's going to be a hell of a year. It should be a really good year from a from a football standpoint because without any preseason games, everybody should be relatively healthy. They should hit the ground running. 
I'm interested to see how this football season runs out, and and, and I'm I'm excited about it. There are some real bargains out there from fantasy football standpoint. Definitely, if you're in a fantasy league, the rules are going to be important, and you need to make sure you've had those conversations. And speaking of rules, there's been a lot of talk about unwritten rules over in the MLB. Indeed, there has. One of the reasons we have Tony here. Yeah, exactly. We thought no perfect person to bring on to talk about the unwritten rules of the MLB, which... Some maybe I can agree with, some I can't. I, the one in particular is uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, is that right, Tony? Tatis. Tatis, I believe, is how they say it. Tatis Jr. So I'm just going to lay it out, and then I'm going to toss over to you, Tony. An incident unfolded during the eighth inning of the Padres' 14-4 win over the team I root for, the Texas Rangers at Globe Life Field. And the Padres were leading 10-3. to Tatis went up to the plate with the bases loaded, and on a 3-0 pitch, he sent that thing to the moon. For his 11th home run. Grand uh, slam and, home run. Yeah, grand slam home run. And then a guy who it sounds like I, – I, we had a little conversation before. I can't tell exactly how Tony feels about him. The manager of the, <laughs> the Rangers – what was it? What is his name? Woodward? Chris? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, Chris what Woodward. was his what, – what did he let's, – let's see. Okay, he said there's a lot of unwritten rules that are constantly being challenged in today's game. I didn't like it personally. You're up by seven in the eighth inning. It's typically not a good time to swing 3-0. It's kind of the way we were all raised in the game. But like I said, the norms are being challenged on a daily basis. So just because I don't I don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. Um, thoughts, Tony? Uh, for first of all, that's a bullshit answer. Here, you might, if you're listening to this in the car, it might be time yeah. for earmuffs. I think we might. Yeah. Yeah, you want to put your muffs on now because anybody said that's nothing but a big pussy. You know, that's just ridiculous. He's just mad because he's getting beat by the Padres. You know, everybody, beat nobody like wants to get beat by the Padres. They got the ugliest uniforms. They got the worst record in baseball over the last 20 years. Nobody wants to get beat by the Padres, and he got drummed by the Padres. Look, man, it's seven runs, and the game is really – it's the, the game's still sort of in question there, you know, and because and, we've seen now teams come back after seven – now, if it's 10, 15, 20 runs, or you've got the center fielder in there pitching, it wasn't the center fielder pitching. It was some guy who's throwing 3-0. You're up there to swing the bat. And Tatis, who's one of the best hitters in the game, young hitters right in the game right now, one of the top home run hitters in the league, don't throw him a 3-0 fastball. It's a run. Let him walk. Go after the next guy. But you throw him a fastball, and he put a good swing on it. It's out. Take your medicine. Shut the fuck up and play the game. <laughs> Hell know? yeah, tell it, Tony. Tell it. <laughs> That's just ridiculous to me. It's not like you know. It's not like he 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 didn't flip the bat. He he laughed a little bit, but you know what? That's okay. Throw a better pitch. He didn't flip the bat. He didn't point at the pitcher. He didn't point at the dugout. He didn't do any of that stuff. He said, "Oh man, I hit a home run. It's a grand slam. Awesome." You know, uh, just play the game and, and do better. It, it, you know, at that point in time, the game it, it's still in question. I don't care. You know, th- there are unwritten rules about don't slide high, don't put people in danger, don't pitch, don't pitch inside to my pitcher. You know, there, there's all sorts of things we can talk about that yeah, that, that put people in danger. But swinging away three and zero with bases loaded, and and you're you're one of the best home runners hitters hitters in the game. Come on, man, grow up, get a pair. You know, get you a lawnmower 3.0 and, and shave those little 
mincy ball. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I think for some, for me, as someone who doesn't watch a ton of baseball and especially don't watch the Padres, I didn't realize who this Fernando Tatis was. And and, and Tony, you were telling me before he's a stud. And I just I'm looking at some stuff. And right now he's tied for first in the majors with wins above replacement. He's first in home runs. He's first in runs batted in. He's just a stud. And if you're if you're the yeah, Rangers pitcher, get you know what? You don't hear the pitcher complaining because he threw a, he threw a ball that was hittable to a really good hitter, and he sent it out of the park. You know, Woodward. I, I don't know, Chris Orr, but you, you know what? Don't. What do you think, pops? It sounds like you're like, don't throw him a pitch that he can send it to the moon, and, and it won't happen. Again. I'm exactly. Hey, if you if it's kind of like in football when somebody's beating your ass, and you know, if you want to put a third stringer in or a second stringer and tell him not to play hard, hell no. Um, I'm for putting, you know, putting, you know, clearing your bench, and I guess that's a whole, sorry, a little bit different analogy, but play the game. If you don't like somebody hitting home runs, stop them, stop them from hitting home runs. Throw a better pitch. Throw a better pitch. Yeah. You damn right. So I had no problem. Yeah. What I had a problem with was Woodward when the next the the guy that came in and relieved that pitcher threw a pitch behind Machado, the oh, next God. batter. That's horseshit in my opinion, and that's yeah. them's fighting words. That's like. The other Texas Ranger peckerhead that, or no, that was an Astros. <laughs> that was an Astros guy, wasn't it? That yeah. that called yeah. out the uh, the other guy. I can't. That called out the A's. The A's guy. The A's yeah. Bat- yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I'm, yeah. I was glad to hear yeah. Tony say that because he's a baseball guy, and I just thought, yeah, swing away and hit. And if you got a problem with it, throw a better pitch. That's right. Well, in the game, yeah. the game, and I'm speaking as someone with a, a, a ton of background, but the game kind of is known to police itself, correct? So like. If someone does some bullshit, you might throw a pitch like that. But as we're saying, Tatis didn't didn't pull any bullshit. It's not like it's not like when I think it was uh, Scherzer had a no hitter, a perfect game, broke up in the eighth inning when someone leaned into a pitch and got hit by the pitch. That's kind of some. That's kind of a little shaky. Now, if yeah. if you throw a pitch down the middle, I'm gonna try my best to send it out of the park, especially bases loaded or not. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to hit a. <laughs> You're trying to hit the ball. Yeah. yeah. That's the point of the game, right? Just hit the ball. That's what you get paid to do is hit the ball. And hit the ball and, hard if you're Fernando Tatis yeah, Jr. Yeah. And that's the other thing. And and, and, and so uh, t- credit to the Padres because they really have come a long way. But Machado, you threw behind Machado. He didn't charge the mound or anything. And and if if uh, the man, Marshalls learned anything from that, it's like, well, they really don't respect me anyway because like, Fuck you, man! You threw behind me. I don't even care. I, you know, what an idiot thing to do. It's not like they were mad because, hey, we hit your guy. Now you're gonna try to hit my guy. We're like, what was that about? You know, it's just, it was just. Sometimes, ridiculous. Tony, it's the unwritten rules of baseball. Kind of a bunch of horseshit at times. Like, <laughs> at times, at times. But the thing is, it, baseball truly is one of the most dangerous sports. And the fact that you're throwing this ball at ninety something miles an hour. At somebody's face, and so those unwritten rules are there to protect ball players, and 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 so don't slide high into my guy because you still got to come up and face my guy, and so and, and so it's there to make sure guys play the right way for, from a from a health standpoint. That's what the unwritten rules are. It's for. just you ever now cheating. Yeah, it's because I can guarantee you, if somebody had figured out that the Astros were stealing signs. They would have led the league and hit by pitch, and they would have had people on the aisle with broken ribs because you would have punctured them. Because you say, "Look, man, 
play the game, right? If you're not going to play the game, why should we play the game? And we're, we're just going to put three guys on by hitting you. So it sounds you know? like more often than not, the game does police itself correctly. Just every now and then yeah. you have a, 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 a person that Tony has a, a new nickname for and Chris Woodward as a manager who's yeah. just a, a little baby back. BP. <laughs> BP's got a new – it's not batting practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Tony, I wanted to ask you a question about, I guess, a, somewhat of a rule I've heard, but I think it's more of strategy. But they say, you know – Never make the first or third out at third base, right? You've heard that. You, you that don't again. make you the first your... or third out at third base. At third base, well, that's correct. It, but that's that's all strategy, right? You don't want to get that first out going for that triple, right? You want to have a man at second, and, and you don't want to make your third out at yeah. third base. That that's not that's nothing like this. Is not not swinging on a three zero pitch. That's that's a that's a strategy thing, isn't it? I was hoping you could clarify that for me. Yeah, that's a strategy thing because really, what you're looking at, if you've got a runner at third with nobody out or one out, you've got somebody that's in scoring position with a sacrifice fly or a ground ball. They don't have to have a base hit to get them there. So if you've got a runner at second with nobody out, you're still one batter away from having them in scoring position at third. If you had to sacrifice them and then and then get a sacrifice fly or a bunt or whatever. You get the guy to third, so you don't want to make your you, you don't make your first or third out at, at at first at third base because you've got to run. That means the guy is in scoring position. Would you try to steal now, third? Would you if you're zero outs? Would you steal third if you're at second? Probably not, unless there's a distinct advantage. Okay. You've got to take a look to see what I want to do. If now first and second with nobody out, and maybe you want to move out of some type of force, force play, play okay. then cert, then certainly you'd look at that, but. The thing about it, now you may make your second out at third because you're trying to get into that third base runner on third with less than two outs, or with one out. So you may try to, that's when you're really trying to force the issue to get to third so that you've got that, that opportunity. But yeah, yeah, you don't want to make your first out or your last out coming into third okay. base. Okay, all right, makes sense. Um, you, you mentioned, Tony, how baseball can be a dangerous game with guys throwing 90, 95 mile an hour balls at, at someone's face. Well. I saw a pitch last week or earlier, like a couple of days ago, a 54 or 58 Ephus. mile an hour pitch. It looked the from Ephus. the camera angle, so it was, was it Zach Grinky threw it? It looked yeah. to me like it was a ball that should have got sent, but the dude didn't swing and then was actually That's laughing scary. as it crossed the plate. Like he was chuckling. For like strike two, by the way. <laughs> yeah. What? So that yeah. was an Ephus? What the hell Ephus. is an Ephus? Oh well, some it, it's an Ephus pitch is where it's it's like an ultra slow changeup. It's not a knuckleball. Good slow, it right? Like it, but it's it's a slow pitch, and all of a sudden you don't recognize it because what happens when a player is looking to 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 hit something? He's looking at the angle of the pitcher's arm, the speed of the pitcher's arm, the location of the. They're they're trying to see what kind of pitch this is coming. And an Ephus pitch sometimes the pitcher will just slow his arm down and like, well, what the. What is that? <laughs> and you can't figure it out, right? That's so normally <clears throat> difference in speed or difference in location is really what you're trying to do as a pitcher. And so for Granky, you know, his fastball is no longer ninety five plus, it's ninety to ninety two. And I watched that sequence and you know, so he pushed through this fifty four Ephus pitch and then struck him out on an eighty nine mile an hour fastball, which <laughs> I mean, probably looked like a hundred and two miles an hour <laughs> yeah. to that guy after seeing a fifty four Ephus. But you, you you notice he doesn't throw it all the time. It's just in certain situations. And 
So this guy's thinking it's a curveball, it's too high, it's not it's gonna drop out, or it's a curveball, it's too low, it's gonna drop out, and it's just a slow pitch, and he doesn't recognize, and you're kind of frozen. Even if you and here's this here's the key. Even if you swing at that EFAS pitch, you're probably not gonna do anything with it. You're not trying to strike somebody out with an EFAS pitch. You want them to swing at it because it's gonna pop it up or ground it out because you don't see it. You don't know how to hit a fifty. Now, if I'm throwing 10 54-mile-an-hour pitches in a row, six of those are going to be out of the park because you're <laughs> going to figure out, okay, he's throwing an EFAS. But if you throw four or five during the game and you don't figure out, you're swinging so hard and you, you pop it up. or That's you know that's what makes a well, good pitcher. And, and so, so when I saw that very pitch, rare. when it's I saw that rare. pitch, I thought, what the hell? I feel like that's like batting practice. That's that's what I would send out of the park. I won't send any pitch out of the park, but that's when I would try but so I looked it up. I was like, "Does he throw?" I, I want to know, like you said, is, is it rare? I was like, "Does he throw it often, and how effective is it?" Well, according to Statcast, Greenkey has thrown through twenty-eight EFIS pitches last season with an average velocity of sixty-three miles per hour. Not <laughs> one got hit. Not one of them wow. got hit. So you're right, Tony. They're not. They're they're kind of rare, but they don't get hit very often. Yeah, they don't. And it's it's really a strange pitch, and it you just the bat all the batter can do is laugh. Well, I mean, it's, what are I you wish I do? had the batter's name right now, but you the batter the ball hit him across the plate. He's like, like come on, man, you got me, you got me. Come what on, you, man. What did you think, like, come, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. You know, <laughs> you look at it like, it. What did you think of saying that, pops? Well, I, I learned about it from my old book buddy, Big Head Doug. He said, "Did you see the Ephus pitch?" And I said, "What the hell is an Ephus pitch?" And so he sends me the link, and I look it up, and I'm kind of laughing and all uh, about it. I loved it, but I kind of like Grinky. Isn't Grinky the one that was calling out the the pitches like a couple of couple well, of weeks he ago? He'll he'll in that right before that pitch, like I think the pitch the, the catcher gave him something. And he gave. I know the listener can't see this, but he gave signs back to the pitcher and called his own pitch. I mean, back <laughs> yeah, to the catcher, called his own catch, pitch yeah. right in front of the batter, yeah, like and then Greeky. threw that saucy ass Ephus that he couldn't touch. <laughs> well. And I got to give a little shout out to big old big head Doug. We was playing golf one time, and I hit, you know, I teed the ball up too high, and it was a sky ball. And he goes, can of corn. I may have mentioned this before. And I, well, a can of corn is just a routine pop fly in baseball. You know, I didn't know that, but now I use it all the time. You know, so what? What other? What other baseball terms, Tony? Are there out there? So there's an EFAS pitch. There's a can of corn. I mean, is there some other stuff like that? Oh yeah, gosh, I. Um. Oh yeah, they're all over the place. But can of corn, Ephus, um, uh, I, drop ball, the uh, the uh, side pocket. You know, um, uh, you know when you get it between the third base and shortstop, put it in the side pocket. You know, you get. Um, uh, I can tell you one uh, one baseball term that's not it's not a baseball term at all, and it's got a baseball guy now looking for a job. It looks like. Um, Tom Brenneman, the what, was he the he's the Reds broadcaster, Tony? So, is that right? Man. Yeah. He uh, he uh, got caught in a pregame show. Now just bear with me here. He got caught in a pregame show on a live mic right before they came back from commercial. I'm not going to say the word he used, but it was an F word that uh, homosexual. It's it's deemed a homophobic uh, slur, and he said it that they, all you could hear was the blank capital of the world is what he said on the mic. And literally, if you watch the clip, he. He, he's sitting there, and then all of a sudden he says it, and he says it with some. There, it seemed like there was some anger. It wasn't just like a, it popped out; like it was. He meant what he was saying, 
And then, like, a couple seconds later, he's like, all right, and we're back here at Cincinnati. Game coming up in 30 minutes. Like, he just switched gears. But the crazy thing was, apparently, nobody in the production crew knew that it went out on air until much later. In fact, he called the first doubleheader, the first of a doubleheader. And then in the fifth inning of the second game, he came on air during, I think, yeah, the fifth inning, and he apologized for what he said and said that he wouldn't finish the, calling the game and that someone else was going to do it. But, Tony, can we talk about that apology? Said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'll be next. I don't know if I'll be calling for the Cincinnati, if I don't have a headsets on. I don't know what I'll be doing, what my next job is. You know me. You know that's not me. If you know me, you know I, I'll have several references or several people that know me, and that's just not me, and I – I apologize. And now over to Cliff. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. so the best part, you know, one, his apology was iffy. Um, but the, yeah. the part that really had, it had, it, the internet was rolling at, he's in the middle of his, this apology, probably trying to, he's, he might have just lost his career. Like, he might have just flushed his career down I, the drain. Yeah, and in the middle of this apology, that is a career off thing, he's like, and I'm really, if you know me, you know. And there's a shot. That one is gone. For, <laughs> that extends yeah, well, the yeah, lead to five. And again, as I said, I would never Cincinnati use that Cincinnati guy hits a home run. <laughs> yeah, in the middle. I don't know if that's a consummate professional or just a jackass. But yeah, during the middle, yeah. Of, his, during the middle of his apology, he's just like, and that'll extend the lead to five. He puts it out the of the park. Two-zero pitch from former Cy Young winner Greg Holland. Two-zero pitch over the left center field wall. That's a home run. And as I said, I, I really do finishing. apologize for that slur. It's really not me. Does Does he put that on his resume for the next job? Like, look, even during a career-altering moment, I still was a pro and made the call. I mean, just... so I've I've got a confession to make on this one because this happened over the uh, last week, and we were. Uh, on vacation and I was with some folks and I had been drinking but um, so it was shown to me on YouTube what had happened and I kind of went off on it because I'm a Kansas City fan and spent a lot of time in Kansas City and, and really like it and so I, I, honestly it, it's just so out I mean I, I, I don't understand why he would have said it because I, it, I it's never been known to me that Kansas City is that. Well, if they aren't there's a, great, there, there had to be wonderful. some sort of conversation being so, had or something. So something had to happen. So either he got a ticket on the way to the ballpark or the hotel was mean to him or something. And, and so, I, much like Earl Thomas, I, I think if, if somebody comes back and says, well, Tom Brennan has kind of always been this way, it just kind of happened. Or the guy had a – he just had a moment and it just came out. And – if it is, it's a Jimmy the Greek issue, and you're just done, right? You're just done, and and that's a shame. But if if that's a if that's something that's been boiling up in him, I don't know. But for him to say that about Kansas City, that's some a bitch needs to go down. He whatever. I don't see him again. I don't want. Well, I don't hear about him again. He's done. I He's do want to touch on one as a. I mean, I'm not a, a, a play-by-play guy, but there, there's a, there's a clear rule in whether it's TV or radio or anything. You always assume the you're on a live yes. mic when the mic's in front of you. Just assume it's hot because I'm going to tell you this: even if that didn't go on air, that's still going out to the whole production crew, and that's still a disrespectful ass thing. He shouldn't say that at home by himself. But you don't say that with a microphone in front of you, regardless. And then, let's get to his apology. 
He wasn't sorry to the people he offended. He just wanted to keep his job. The first thing, the last person he apologized to were the people that he offended. The first three were the the Cincinnati Reds, the people who write my checks, the people who sign my checks, whatever he said. He didn't even, I don't think he was even sincere. He felt, he sounded sincere when he said what he said. It sounded like it was, it came from the heart. And then the apology sounded like he just wanted to make sure he had a paycheck, which to update that, the Cincinnati Reds have suspended him and he does, he calls games for Fox as well. And for in the NFL, and they they have come out and said that he will not be calling games. So, old Thom Brenneman, I don't know what he's going to be doing in the future, but maybe he should work on his apology because that wasn't a very good one. The Johnsonville ACL Cornhole Championships. That's what Thom Brenneman. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boss, did you have anything that. you wanted to add to it, or or do you just think next time you're apologizing, you hope a home run happens so you can be <laughs> Look, I, you know, I drank too much last night. I shouldn't have. And there's a home run by uh, Fernando. Shot Tatis over the Jr. left field wall makes the score five to two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I saw I saw Oliff one night try to uh, make an apology Uh-oh. in that kind of situation. He He did a pretty poor job of it, but. What? <laughs> I never know, know with Tony. It could be telling the truth, or he could be making it up. I don't know. Oh yeah, you remember we were. I, at, I don't we know if I want to hear all this. <laughs> we're at that club. All I'm doing is going to get a beer. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I was just going to get a beer. You remember? Kind of vaguely, but I don't remember what I did or what <laughs> I said. I don't know. I think for for Dad's sake, we might need to yeah. move on. Live mic in well, front of him right now. Yeah. yeah. He was a hey, Lifford was great. He was he was there was nothing. Uh, he was a, a perfect gentleman. They were <laughs> they were playing a trick on him and he, and he handled it tremendously. I'm sure I'm sure that's something he gets called tremendous all the time. guy that he you'll have is. to remind me of that Tony when I see you in a couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. All right, I think that about wraps. I got us one up. more Pops- question for y'all. One more What's question. Up? What's up? So subtitles on. On shows or series? <laughs> uh, yes or no? Do you like subtitles? Do you not like on, subtitles? On shows for Well, what? any shows, because I noticed... Okay, let me just Hate throw it. this out there. Yeah, elaborate. <laughs> Where's this coming from? I think I like subtitles. I'm, I mean, do I hear as much as I used to? No, probably my hearing isn't as good as I used to. But who knew that... At your young age? Huh? At your young right <laughs> age? So, but what I'm trying to say is, who knew that horses chuff and... And, you know, feet shuffle. And, you know, they, they just, I love well, I the little stuff shuffle. that they add to it. Yeah, it's it's horse clops. Um, ba- baby coos. Baby coos. Yeah, I love that stuff. And, like, Tammy, you know, hey, we ha- we've had no sports, so I'm watching The Outlander, which is a lot of Scottish people with weird, you know, accents that I not shouldn't say weird accents. I'm sorry for all the Scottish people <laughs> out there. That and there's a home run. <laughs> and there's a home there's run a over the wall. But I have a hard time understanding them, so the subtitles help me kind of follow along with the plot. So I've come to kind of like subtitles, and I was wondering if I'm alone in that, I guess is what I'm asking. So I can answer that. At one point, I, I've done a 180 on this. I hated subtitles. I thought they annoyed the shit out of me. I, we used to have like little little watch parties for Game of Thrones. And someone in the room would always be like, hey, can we get subtitles on? And most rooms like, sure. I don't know why it just bothered me because I, th- I always felt like when subtitles are on, and I still think this is happens to an extent, I'm reading more so than I'm looking at what's going on. Okay. I'm like looking at the Fair. sentences. I, I worry about that myself. Now, I will say, 
more recently, probably in the past six months, I've caught myself turning on the subtitles way more often than not when watching either a Netflix show or HBO go HBO show or whatever it is. So I think I've done a turn. I think I am a subtitle guy now, but I previously was not. And I can and I can understand people that do not like I do too. Because I sometimes feel like I just stare at those and not the game. What do you think, Tony? Tony, what do you think? I'm the same way, Kevin. You're right on because I find myself that I'm reading. It's just like watching ESPN and the scripts at the bottom. I found myself instead of watching what's going on, I'm reading the script at the bottom that's that, rolling off and say, "Who just got arrested? Did, did what?" And it's you about know? something so, I don't even care about. Sometimes you'll, it'll, it'll, it'll be telling about. you a hockey thing, and you're like, "I don't, I don't even care yeah, about." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry, so John Payne. John Payne's s- probably hearing me slander hockey. Just yeah, <laughs> no, no, not nothing wrong with hockey. Go Blues. And the the thing is. I like subtitles on French movies. And that's it. Just on French movies? I I hate them on sports. Now, I hate them, hate them, hate them on sports. See, I'm not that bad because if I can't hear it, I want it. That's okay. But I still, I'm with Kevin. I just want to see the picture. I'm about the picture, the view of it. And that subtitle just breaks that up, and I don't don't like it. I think maybe the ESPN crawl maybe helped me get used to it. Because, you know, like you're saying, the crawl was there, and it would always be distracting. And now I can watch a football game and whatever, a sports event, and ignore the crawl. crawl. Speaking of the crawl, I'll tell you what drives me crazy. When it goes like breaking news on the crawl, and it's like some some story I could care less about. Like when I see breaking news, about. I'm like, oh, what happened? Someone tore an AC, like, especially during preseason yeah. football time. Like I know we're not having games, but you're like, oh crap, what's going on? Like you have to pause everything, and it's like, uh, I breaking don't know. news. Something. Man City has been suspended from the UEFA. Yeah. Oh, Tony's getting a shit. soccer slander on. <laughs> I don't get a shit. <laughs> Well, there was so. a show. There was a show that I had to turn subtitles on. Well, I didn't have to, but it was that same situation pops. So maybe this is where I turned a little bit. That Netflix show. God, I cannot remember it now. But it's they have the British accents. The family. You like the mom in there a lot. I forget Paula or and his mom was the mom was like the mom of the family. Her name was like Paula. Or something. Oh, Peaky the Blinders. Brother. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah Peaky, Peaky Blinders. Blinders. Oh yeah. They oh, had yeah. strong accents, and sometimes I would have a little trouble. So, understanding what they're saying, so it helped to have the subtitles. So, Long on Peaky Blinders, <laughs> I had the same problem. You know what I did? I rewind, rewind it and watch it again. And after the first two or three shows, I figured out what they were saying. And so it's like, oh, okay, I know when he says, go out, it means... <laughs> you know what that is. It means orange. And so you, you just figure it out, right? You know, and I so never did for figure me, it that's, out. That's I it never is. figured it no. out. Yeah. I had to have them. No. Interesting, interesting. Hey, what were we going to say, Tony? Hey, all right, so before we leave, and I know this is an interesting subject, before we leave, i got to get in two. So in case I'm not on over the next two weeks before, before the fans out there get get into their fantasy football drafts, I've got two deep sleepers. Oh, get, get your pen. Get your piece everybody. of paper. He's about to lay you down. And get he ready is throwing us off, Kevin. He is trying to throw me off. Watch this. Everybody go get no, your no, big no, chief Indian here. pad. And put down notes from Uncle Tony. Deep Tony, can you tell sleep. us? The Terrence Mathis pick? Is yeah. this the Terrence Mathis pick, Tony? This is the Terrence Mathis pick. <laughs> okay. So, at wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, Everybody's that's, that's getting hurt. Bourne, like, with the J in it, Kid, right? Like Jason no, Bourne. Oh, no, Kendrick Bourne, like, right. like Jason Bourne. Oh, yeah. like Bourne identity. Kendrick okay. Bourne. This guy's a fourth-year fourth wide receiver. Mm-hmm. All he's, he, his TD catch ratio is 
just ex- extraordinary for the number of catches per TDs. But Debo Samuel's going to be out for probably four to six weeks. The rookie has been hurt in camp. The uh, Another wide receiver just went down two days ago in camp, and this guy has been having a phenomenal camp. Kendrick Bourne, draft him. Well, before He'll I draft I, I have to take that to I, – I know I have someone with my San Francisco knowledge. I have to go check out – Hannah, a friend of the pod, been on the pod multiple times. I'm gonna have to right. go yep. reference that, you know, cross reference, make She'll sure, like make pick. sure it checks She'll out. Like, but like that pick. But the names down: Kendrick Bourne, like Kendrick Jason Bourne. Bourne. All right. And your other one is Malcolm Brown, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. And here's what I'm a little worried about: is hard knocks. And so, is it the Malcolm Brown from Texas? At one point? Yeah, he's the running back from Texas. He's been his third year. Third year, fourth year running back. He's had a few Rams. games where he looked decent. Had a few games that have been decent, but they drafted Daryl Henderson last mm-hmm. year. They drafted Cam Akers this year, and everybody's talking about how great Cam Akers is going to be. Everyone and loved Daryl Henderson last year, didn't they? First, so in the first two series, Daryl of their scrim, first scrimmage, Daryl Henderson tweaks his hammy, and Cam Akers fumbles. And so, and the one thing you can't do as a rookie fumble. is fumble. That'll get you on the bench. I think I've heard, uh, what is it, ball security's what? Ball Number security's one. job security, right? Ball security. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Ball security's job security. So, Malcolm Brown. Those two deep sleepers. If you can get them past that 12th, 13th round, they should be there. Grab them. Stash them. They're going to be starters for you by week four. I All right, Tony. Bef- I have one question for you before you get out of here. and Before, yep. we, before we leave. And that's yep. going to be our boy. I know you follow the Chiefs pretty intently. How early? And don't think about your league because y'all's league's pretty quarterback heavy. How early yeah. is uh, Edwards Hilaire, the, the LSU running back, oh, the rookie? Yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing first round stuff. Yes, I'm hearing crazy stuff. Yeah. I loved him at so, LSU, but as a chief, as a chief, uh, you, you keep up with KC. What? How early should he be going in drafts? He didn't want to give it away. That's, uh, this is his guy. I no, I'm. I'm really. I struggle with this one because rookie running backs can make a break. Yet. <laughs> well, they yeah, haven't had a lot of time I, to work out. I worry about rookie running Damian backs. Damian Williams this year. is not playing this year. No, he said out. No, he's not. I. He's probably a top ten. Uh, you. You probably if you want him, you're going to have to take him in the top ten. I think he's six, seven, eight. Something like that. Wow. I mean, I, it's tough for me to say, but he's – I think he's Austin – C-A-H, that we call him, Austin Hilaire. I can't remember exactly. C-H-E or C-E-H. 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 I think you're right. C-E-H. Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, Edwards Hilaire. Uh, he has definitely – You think he's top 10? Folks, wow. I'm telling you, Pops. I know. Man, I, what I'm, I'm seeing, seeing right now – up like crazy. What I'm seeing right now – He's he's in, up there in, in – my, In my cheat sheet uh, – you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is number seven. I think Tone is exactly right. I think he's going to go now, top five in most leagues, and he's either and or if you're an auction draft, he's going to be cost a lot of money, and he yeah. will either. I think he will either make or break whoever gets him because he could be he a beast. Will. I got him number he four in my on my cheat sheet. Number four. He's number seven in mine, and with a bullet. And the thing uh, would you take him? Buddy, would you take him with the top five pick? Not in y'all's no. league, but just in a standard. No? Okay. That's, that's what I, I want to know. That's what I want to know. No, I think there are five or six that I'd take in front of him, maybe seven. Maybe okay. seven. But uh, my good buddy Prestige Worldwide would tell you, you better take him top five. 
And really, he would see. That's what I wanted. I wanted. He's pretty high on him. Hmm. Yeah. All he's right. Pretty high on him. Yeah. And I've got. It, yeah. If I don't have the chance, if we if we don't get the opportunity to get on, or you know, uh, I, you know, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the the Lutheringer uh, clan down at Little River Club because they're going to allow me to come down there and spend a little time. They didn't learn from weeks, the last so. time. <laughs> they didn't learn from the last time, so they're gonna go down there. So, so I'll be down there, uh, you know, studying and 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 so if there's any time y'all want to get in touch with me, you want some uh, some pontification on the fantasy football, you just let me know. We got we'll, show we'll digits. You. I'm gonna give him the wrong we'll Wi-Fi code when he gets there, Kev. <laughs> <He's gonna laughs> <messed it up. laughs> All right. Well, we this is Monday night. I need to catch. Uh, there's uh, LeBron and the Lakers are playing the Blazers. I kind of want to go catch some playoffs as we head out. I just right. want to say uh, today, as we're recording this, it's 8:24, aka Mamba Day. I just wanted to say shout out to Kobe yeah. Bryant. It just seems insane that it was now seven months since he passed away tragically and. Just feels weird. It feels like he's still kind of here. And I, Nike did the thing that they've done before, where they put out a commercial, and it's Kendrick Lamar kind of narrating, and it's a Kobe commercial because yesterday was his birthday, the twenty third. So I just want to say, the world miss the basketball world for sure misses Kobe. I and just shout out to Kobe on Mamba Day. I just want to say as we get out of here. There you, there you go. go. All right, find us on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you. Uh, whatever social media you like the most and as far as podcasts go wherever you get your podcast make sure you subscribe we're on apple spotify stitcher wherever you get them and uh rate review us and uncle tone pops peace out peace awesome again to be here betonline.ag betonline.ag all right